Greg, can you believe that spooky season is already a third done? It is a bit scary. Where do- <laughs> ah, Welcome down to the bridge. Welcome down to the bridge, everybody. I, I'm glad my absolutely awful joke helped with that. <laughs> it helped a lot. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. Yes. Anyway, spooky season is almost a third over. Tragic. Mm. I'm gonna have to keep it going through November, I think. Yeah, it is. It is a bit tragic. It is going by very quickly. Better than starting Christmas as soon as Halloween is done. Forget about that. Yeah. Not happening. No. I've got news. Ar- the news. Gonna start with news of the gaming variety. Alrighty. So, the composer of Sonic Frontiers has confirmed that the game's soundtrack will be available to purchase physically and digitally later in December. Oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm... Oh, that's not even the big news. Oh boy, okay. The big news is the soundtrack is going to contain 150 songs. Holy shit. <laughs> right? That's... Have they announced pricing for the soundtrack yet? I don't... Because that's going to be expensive. Think so. That's going to be expensive. Holy shit. Oh, wait. Yep. It is spread across six CDs and will be sold for 8,000 yen, or roughly $55 US. That's not bad. No, not at all. Yeah. Especially because all the ups, downs, and all arounds of Sonic, you cannot deny, that series has some banger music. Yeah. A hundred... Even the worst games have good music. Oh, yeah. No, I've... I am a connoisseur of, good, of like, good music. I've bought very ba- bad games because I've heard their soundtrack and loved them. At the same time, though, I'm kind of in a crossroads right now because a co-worker keeps on playing the Silent Hill soundtracks, which is... Excellent, but Silent Hill is really expensive. <laughs> is this the same coworker who is swiping Persona Two from under my nose? <laughs> no, no, this is the other one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I say that with disdain, but also good on good on them for managing yeah. to beat me to that game. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where. Spoiler alert, if you, in case you haven't been keeping up for forever, I work at a video game store, and we got a copy of Persona 2, and I missed the opportunity to watch Cody and one of my co-workers have a, like, a catfight over it, so. Yeah, because all you told me was you had Persona 3 with an art book, but I have Persona 3. But do you have an art book? I don't have an art book, but I'm not going to buy the whole game again for an art book. How stupid do you think I, Persona 5 Royal? I was going to say, it's like, don't you dare. I mean, we both have dirt on each other in that regard, so neither of us can really talk. (laughs) We do. We do. Anyways, that's the Sonic Frontiers news. Which, hey, you know, actually, Persona is still tangentially related because Sega bought Atlas. Really? Yeah, a while ago. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Joker's technically a Sega rep. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Looking cool, Joker. <laughs> Gotta go fast, Joker. Did you know Valve accidentally condoned Nintendo piracy? Really? Yeah, so they've been advertising the Steam Deck as a fully capable PC, right? Mm-hmm. And they had to take down a trailer because it showed it running the Nintendo Switch emulator Yuzu. Nice. <laughs> right? Let's go. <laughs> For all your emulator needs. <laughs> I I especially love that because of the fact that this that the uh, Steam Deck was announced the same day as the Switch OLED. <laughs> Very good. That that is funny. <laughs> Nintendo just sees that. Should we take it down? I Nintendo would. 
<laughs> Should we leave it up? Nintendo. Oh my god. So that was just a that was just a little thing. I think it's I think it's really funny. That's really funny. <laughs> and of course, there's no further indication of the Steam Deck being able to run Yuzu. No. Wait, I mean, I would hope so, considering... Well, I don't know. I don't know I'm if sure I... it still can, but they probably don't want to advertise that. I mean, yeah, because it's still piracy at the end of the day, but, you know, considering the capabilities of both consoles, it'd be shocking if it couldn't. And Nintendo's utter aversion to anything resembling a solid eShop. That, too. God! They make it so hard to root for them. Why do you hate money?! I mean, not for me. <laughs> it's very easy for me to root against Nintendo. <laughs> Oh, well, mm-hmm. But I also didn't grow up with Nintendo, so what can you do? That just means you had no childhood. Moving on. Oh, psh, okay. <laughs> there's gaming news, and there's movie news. Oh, and every boy. so often, you find something that's a bit... Little... <laughs> I don't I like where this I is going. <laughs> I said a bit I can't believe I did that. Okay, I was getting ready to say, like, I don't like where this is going now. <laughs> And every so often, you find something that's a little of both. Hmm. Which is why I'm happy to announce the first ever Under the Bridge event, a horror movie double feature at Unlimited Video Game Superstore. Oh boy! Yeah, this will be happening Friday, October 28th at the Outdoor Stage Area from 8pm to roughly 11pm. Oh! Current lineup subject to change is House on Haunted Hill and Carnival of Souls, so... If you like 60-year-old horror movies, make sure to swing in for It Came From Under the Bridge. <laughs> Alrighty. And I am quite proud of that title, thank you. As you should be. Also, we have a Facebook page now, so you can follow it there. Yes, follow us on Facebook. Can't believe I'm saying that. Y- yeah. <laughs> it feels dirty. It does feel a little bit dirty. If it helps, I've had to use it Facebook a bit more for other events at work, so... <laughs> I see, I see. Yes, so I, I understand that. <laughs> well, enough of plugging my own stuff. Also, mm. make sure to check out the newest episode of Poorly Explained Comics. Okay, now I'm done. Now I'm done, I swear. <laughs> That's the last bit. But we're not out of the game-movie hybrid news yet. Oh, Jesus. Are you ready for the craziest thing you'll hear all week? Is it that the Gran Turismo movie's been cancelled? No, in fact, uh, this might be worse news than that. Oh boy. And by that I mean worse news than the Gran Turismo movie continuing to exist. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Alright, what is it? We're getting a musical film adaptation of the Oregon Trail. <laughs> I assume your mic is spiking, because I didn't hear anything. <laughs> yes! <laughs> It was spiking quite significantly. <laughs> Why? <laughs> that is oh, you, so you want to know something even better? Uh, what? It's from the team behind Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, heck yes. Oh, for... Oh, God almighty. Same okay. directors collaborating with their songwriting team. Is that one going to have a singing crocodile, too? Is Lyle just going to make I a cameo? Is he going to be one imagine. of... Is he going to be one of the things that we can take with us on the Oregon Trail? Is there I mean, crocodiles be... aren't really endemic to Oregon. Is there going to be a thing that pops up halfway through the movie that just is a text box that says, Lyle, Lyle, crocodile died? God damn it. <laughs> We're off to a great start with this one. We're off to a wonderful start. Even better, no studio is attached yet. Really? It's going to Sony. 
I mean, you uh, you know Sony's gonna be like, yes, this is perfect. <laughs> That's another. This is exactly thing. what we needed. It's gonna be another thing where Sony's just like, hello, fellow kids. Cross it over with Spider-Man. Don't give them ideas. Uh. They're crazy enough to try it. Yeah, and that'll make them lose money quicker, and then they'll go under, and then we get Spider-Man back. But at what cost? Yeah, I guess the collapse of another one of the big five is not great. No. Damn it, Sony. An Oregon Trail movie. Musical. Music. God almighty. <laughs> An Oregon Trail musical movie. I, 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 I have, I have, I am actually speechless. I mean, I have, th- I have things I want to say, but none of them are like conducive to anything of value. So <laughs> this is why I wanted to keep the news from you this week. I might just keep this pattern up if I find anything <laughs> particularly ridiculous. No, I mean, if it's like every now and again, that's fine. When this is all the time, it's just going to be torture. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I'll save it. You know, maybe there'll be like a bit of news here and there each week that I'll leave off. If anything, it'll be one of those things where it's like, I'm not sending you the news. At least I'll know it's like, okay, be prepared for something stupid. <laughs> it's going to be the question of, is Cody withholding something from me this week? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's get into actual movie stuff. Alrighty. Glass Onion is going to get a one-week theatrical sneak preview. Really? Yes. I've never heard of Netflix ever doing anything like that. I think they've done that before, Mm. but this is interesting because it will be the first Netflix film to debut across all three major U.S. theatrical chains of AMC, Regal, and Cinemark. Oh, okay. And it's going to be running from November 23rd to November 29th in about 600 theaters domestically. Hopefully it's one of the ones that are close to us. (laughs) Yeah, let's hope. Mm. I want to see this on the big screen, just like I saw the first Knives Out. I would definitely prefer to see this on the big screen. I guess we'll see. Especially because if we don't see it then, it doesn't come out for another month. Oh, God. Oh, shit. That means we're going to have to be ducking spoilers if we don't see it. Oh, God. Oh, please. Please come locally. (laughs) Oh, tickets are on sale now. We have to Mm. check that. It's set on October 10th. Huh. Mm. Later. Later. Not now, but what? Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take a sneak peek real quick. Fair. Go ahead. <laughs> Have fun with all this riveting content. Oh. Oh. Oh, hold on, it's loading. Sundial. Thank. Oh. AMC Sundial Twelve. All right, that's great. That's very good to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'll go downtown for that. I don't care. I- I was going to say, the bad part is that you have to go into downtown. <laughs> yeah, I can do that every once in a while. I just can't make a habit out of it. Hmm. Alright, that's exciting. I'm that's excited very... by this news now. That's very encouraging. Indeed it is. Have you ever wanted to see a western from the guy who played Aragorn? <laughs> you know what? Sure. Why the hell not? Okay, because that's what Viggo Mortensen is doing. He is directing a western called The Dead Don't Hurt. As long as it's better than the dead don't die. God, I hope so. That is still a I that is still a movie that it actually makes me sad, like legitimately sad, how awful it is. I hated the heck out of that movie, and it had such a good cast. It had such a good cast and such an interesting that trailer 
Well, actually, you know what? I'm not going to get into that. I sh- let's just say that I was very let down because the trailer gave me a lot of good feelings, and then I saw the movie, and I was hurt. <laughs> I guess <laughs> Johnny Cash is hurt. Yeah, for real. Uh, I mean, I guess to be fair, he did tell us this was all going to end badly. Mm-hmm. It's the same way as Lemony Snicket from a series of unfortunate events kept saying that that was not going to have a happy ending, and we weren't going to like it. We were going to be, and we were going to be disappointed and distraught by it. Mm. He wasn't lying. <laughs> no, he was not. What a time. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. It's being billed as a Western love story set in the 1860s. Okay, that sounds interesting. Unfortunately, Westerns aren't really my particular level of expertise, for lack of a better description. I mean, when's the last time there's been a Western? Um, Hateful Eight. Well, granted, how long ago was Hateful Eight at this point? Oh, yeah, good point. How long ago was Hateful Eight? 2015. That's a seven-year-old movie. Eh, it's been a minute. I'd say that's yeah. been a minute, relatively speaking. And they certainly haven't risen to the same acclaim they used to have, because there was a time when westerns were dominating theaters. They were the superhero movies of the time. Hmm. And now they're not. <laughs> I wonder if this one's going to have problematic historical elements in it. Ah, uh, let's find not. out. We'll find out. <laughs> I suppose. Hmm. So that's news, of a sort. Mm-hmm. Of a sort. Of a sort. We're getting another VHS movie. Like a movie, like, straight to VHS? No, a movie in the VHS series. Oh, okay, I, then I am very confused. <laughs> yes, Greg, they're making a movie and they're putting it on VHS. It's very <laughs> that was gonna be That was gonna be my next question, is like, who the fuck still makes VHS movies? <laughs> No, VHS is a found footage horror franchise. It's a bunch of anthology things. Oh, okay. Apparently there's five of them, which means I am, like, three behind. Hmm. I've seen VHS, and I've seen VHS 2, but I have not seen VHS Viral, VHS 94, or VHS 99. Wait, so these are, I take it these are, like, just the names of them, right? Yeah, no, this is a new series. Okay, alright, fair enough. And there's going to be another one called VHS 85, so I guess they're working their way backwards. <sighs> As a big fan of the original VHS, at least, I guess I'm just going to have to catch up. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely be interested to see what you say about it, because horror anthology isn't exactly something that grabs me, to be completely honest. Ooh, at least one segment's directed by Scott Derrickson. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the guy who did the first Doctor Strange and the Black Phone. Hmm. Which I don't recall. Did you see the black phone? I feel like I have. That just came out. The one with the, or I guess it came out. It came out this year. Oh at least. no, I haven't. I never got a okay. chance to see it in theaters. Never mind. That's very unfortunate. Mm. And now, I have comic book news. Oh boy. Yeah, because New York Comic Con just happened, and I barely paid any attention to it because busy. <laughs> That happens. <laughs> Indeed it does, especially when most of this is about... It's hard to get excited about comics news when you're always wondering when the industry is just going to go belly up entirely. <laughs> that's, a <bit> of a <laughs> that's a bit of a fatalist outlook on the industry. Granted, you're more familiar with it than I am, so I, I feel like you're coming at that from a level of knowledge that I don't have. <laughs> I'm just saying, and admittedly, 
my viewpoint is biased because I prefer being able to put books on a shelf and be able to tell what they are by the spine. Floppies are dead. Just mm. make trade paperbacks. Mm. Fair. Single issue releases are the devil, and I want no part of it anymore. It's part of the reason why I don't buy comics. <laughs> oh, they're terrible. Yeah. Like, as someone who collects video, as someone who just got two random PS1, Japanese PS1 games today, I don't need another thing to spend money on to collect. Yeah, give me more shit about Persona 5 Royal. (laughs) No, I'm serious, dude. It stops me from buying things. I mean, for me, it's still the whole thing of you getting the Persona PSP games without knowing where your PSP was at the time. (laughs) Or if it worked. Or if it worked. (laughs) It's like... It it did. It all worked out in the end. (laughs) Still, like, I'm gonna spend five hundred dollars on these games. It's like, but do you have a PSP? What's a PSP? <laughs> hey, look, I can always get a new PSP. All right, that was not the issue here. That's fair. Enough shaming my horrifying spending habits. Our horrifying spending habits. <laughs> yes, all right, our horrifying spending habits. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I am no saint either. The quote-unquote exciting news is that Marvel Comics has mapped out their upcoming big events. Oh, okay. Yeah. This November, we're getting Avengers Assemble, which is the end of Jason Aaron's almost five-year-long run on the Avengers. Hmm. Could not end soon enough. (laughs) Not good. Jason Aaron has a real... The toys that I'm playing with in the sandbox are my toys, and not only... It's not even that I'm not going to let anybody else play with them, it's that I'm going to ignore anybody else playing with them. So he's a less aggressive Marvel version of Eric of Cartman. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I hope Jason Aaron hasn't ever chopped someone's parents up in a chili and fed it to them. <laughs> if anybody was going to do that, honestly, I think it would be Alan Moore. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Maybe Garth Ennis. No, Garth Ennis would just write about somebody doing that. <laughs> He's just like, I just witnessed someone committing murder and cannibalism. This would be an interesting short story. <laughs> Something like that. Mm. So Avengers Assemble is going to tie together Avengers, Avengers Forever, which is sort of a multiverse spanning, hey, look at all these weird alternate universe Avengers that are going on. And the Avengers of 1 million BC, which is a cool concept that I wish we got a little more of, but also, god damn it. The Avengers of 1 million BC. Yeah, the idea is there was basically a superhero team defending the Earth from threats back at the time that consisted of Odin, the first Phoenix Force host, at least I think she was the first, she was an early mutant or something, Agamotto, the first Black Panther, the first Iron Fist, Starbrand, who here was basically like Neanderthal Hulk, and this is my favorite part, a ghost rider riding a woolly <laughs> mammoth empowered by Hellfire. Okay, you know what, you told me about that, but it was a thing of like, how does ghost rider woolly mammoth, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, yep, alright. <laughs> He's a ghost mammoth rider. Mm-hmm. I love it, I love that idea so much. <laughs> right. I think what's been going on is something-something Multiversal Masters of Evil, something-something probably Doctor Doom. Hmm. I've only been loosely following this stuff. I I stopped paying attention around the age of Khonshu. Fair? 
Moon Knight beat up Thor because Mjolnir is made of moon rock. That sounds stupid. It was! It was so horrendously <laughs> so, stupid. Sounds really stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> there was a lot going on. There was a lot of comic book BS to enable this to happen, but he's like, yeah, it turns out Uru is metal from the first moon. Ergo, it's moon rocks. Ah, <laughs> uh, comic book BS. The best. This is some of BS. Silver Age Rainbow Batman <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Anyways, in December, we're getting Dark Web, which is a Spider-Man-X-Men crossover. Okay. It's got Madeline Pryor and Ben Riley teaming up. Uh, the joke is they're both clones. <laughs> Alright, sure. And it's gonna cross over with Spider-Man, the X-Men, Venom, Miss Marvel, and other characters. Funny enough, th- this part's really funny to me. So Madeline Pryor, she's a clone of Jean Grey, right? Really? Yes, she's a clone uh, of Jean Grey. Okay. Her name is Goblin Queen. That is not a fitting name. It's fun. really funny that it's like, okay, there's two villains teaming up, Goblin Queen and Chasm. Guess which one of them is the Spider-Man villain? Hmm, well, I would think the go- it's Chasm. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's, I was getting ready to say, it's like, so it's Goblin Queen, right? <laughs> yeah, Ben Riley's currently a bad guy because... I'm trying to remember what happened. Okay, so he got brought back to life by the Jackal, went crazy, killed the Jackal. Or did he kill the Jackal? Maybe he didn't kill the Jackal. He started generating clones. I really ought to save this for poorly explained comics, but when the fuck is this ever going to come up? Okay. He decided to go straight. He was Spider-Man for a bit, sponsored by the Beyond Corporation, while Peter was recovering from radiation poisoning, I think? And then it turned out Beyond was tampering with his memories or his core or something, and now he's gone crazy again, and now he's a bad guy because he feels like something is missing. Hence the name Chasm. Again, this is why I don't buy comics. <laughs> this is why I this is why I follow comics and then gradually buy them. <laughs> In January, we are getting Sins of Sinister. Per the synopsis, Mr. Sinister's devious machinations yield the darkest Marvel Comics future to date in this universe-melting X-Men event. Immortal X-Men, X-Men Red, and Legion of X will be transformed into Immoral X-Men, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, and Nightcrawlers as this overarching saga propels further and further into an unforgiving universe where all things are sinister. I don't know why, because I have no context, but if I'm honest, that sounds kind of boring. Yeah, especially Darkest Marvel Comics Future Day- oh, come on. Yeah, the description of that is so much stuff, like- being piled on to make it sound cool, then it kind of circles back around to sounding boring. And silly? And very silly. It's like, oh yeah, sure, worse than Marvel Zombies, worse than Age of Apocalypse, worse than Age of Ultron, worse than Days of Future Past? Uh Uh-huh. For me, it's worse than literally one of the universes destroying itself and everyone with it. (laughs) Secret Wars literally had the whole multiverse blow up. Yeah. Dark is, like, subjective, but... A lot of people just die during that. I don't think it gets darker than that. <laughs> I mean, they came back. Hmm. It's Dragon Ball rules. <laughs> it's Dragon Ball rules. <laughs> it doesn't matter that they died as long as they came back. <sighs> Unless you're Uncle Ben. Well, Uncle Ben didn't come back. That's the important part. <laughs> Try to keep up. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to that, I guess, if only because I am a fan of the current X-Men direction, and I really like what they've been doing with Sinister. Okay. The man made a gun that fires cloned eyeballs of Cyclops. Ugh. Ugh, that sounds unsanitary and very violent. It's even nuttier, because, like, 
I haven't seen it in action, and I don't think we do get to see it in action. But he says it fires the eyeballs. Why wouldn't it just use the eyeball to fire a laser beam? Isn't yeah. that the whole point of getting Cyclops' powers? Yeah, I feel like the smart thing would have the eyeball be, like, ammunition in a manner of speaking. No, the eyeball is not an ammunition. The eyeball is a power core. Oh, okay. That should be what it does. Because yeah. otherwise, what would be the point of firing an eyeball? It's like, oh shit, I gotta reload. <laughs> I'd, Unless it I'd, makes its own cloned eyeballs, which it then shoots. I have a absolutely horrendous mental image of someone putting a magazine of eyeballs into a gun, and I hate it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, it's so nasty. Hell, let's say you shoot the eyeball out of the gun. How do you keep it pointing straight? It's going to spiral all around. It could very well hit you. I'm going to go on out on a limb because I don't have experience with it, but I have a feeling that an eyeball is not ballistically or aerodynamically sound. But You hey, know what? Maybe me. that's why Sinister made it because he did say he made it for laughs. So maybe he didn't expect it to be any practical use. Yeah, that's a good joke. Shoots it, eyeball comes out, lasers the fuck out of a guy. Oh, shit! <laughs> Imagine handing somebody else that gun and saying, go get him. It's like, I've heard of the smoking gun, but this is ridiculous. Well, I suppose, technically speaking, it wouldn't be lasers, because Cyclops' eye beams aren't actually lasers. They're beams of kinetic force, although sometimes they function like lasers, depending on what people want them to do. Essentially, they're punches from the punch dimension. <laughs> a quick caveat. It reminds me, that just reminded me of a bit, like, one of the things in Ace Combat is that one of the nations in the, in the universe has access to laser weaponry. No, I am not kidding. And in one of the games, your commander goes, it's like, you were shot down, and all of our information about your squadron was um, fried by Belka's magnetic pulse weaponry, to which someone talking about the game says, lasers. You, you mean lasers. <laughs> <laughs> Light amplification stimulated by emission of radiation, and it ricochets off hills, too. That sounds busted. Courtesy of Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland, friend. Okay. Courtesy of Kirby, Nightmare in Dreamland. Uh. I love that game. <laughs> Moving on. We've also got, in spring 2023, Captain America Cold War. Okay, um, it's funny how a title with two things that should, like, contain a lot of weight ends up being the most nondescript thing ever, considering what they both are. <laughs> Apparently it is an espionage-fueled action thriller that is going to cross over both Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson's titles, because they're both Captain America boys right now. Oh, so this, is still, this isn't like a retelling during the Cold War? No. That's, and, kinda, and you kinda lost me, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, they just call stuff stuff. Fun reminder, yeah. there's been two Secret Wars, a Secret Wars 2, and a Secret War. Uh, I, what? What? For another time. <laughs> okay. But no, this one is going to cross over, like I said, Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson. Apparently Nomad's coming back. There's some kind of big conflict with Wakanda brewing. And mm. Bucky's got a new persona. So I guess we'll find out about all that. Oh boy. Yeah. Nomad was what Cap was calling himself for a while when he couldn't be Captain America because he was sick of the government asking him to do morally questionable shit. I do remember reading about that. That was a uh, god-awful costume. It was not a good costume. <laughs> it was not at all. Not mm. in the slightest. Summer 2023, we are getting probably the thing I'm least excited for on this whole list. Summer of Symbiotes. Eh? Right? 
Yeah. Says, get ready for the return of old faces, the debut of new symbiote heroes, and exciting shifts for iconic symbiote stars. It's a season of symbiote insanity. God damn it if I never hear the word symbiote again. Again, s- somehow for something that should be more exciting, it doesn't exactly build up hype, I feel like. It doesn't help that it feels like... and It probably hasn't. It's probably been a while, but it feels like they've just been doing a slew of, hey... Here's characters getting symbiotes. Here's Venom with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and there's an arc where the symbiote jumps back and forth between a few of them. Here's <laughs> Venomized. Here's Absolute Carnage, where Carnage goes chasing after everybody who's ever worn a symbiote before, just so we can remind you of how absolutely played out this shit is. <laughs> oh, what's that? More symbiotes, you ask? What? No, no, why would I? Well, you got it! <laughs> it's like, no, I didn't ask for this. Well, too bad. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. And then on a dour note, summer 2023, we are apparently getting Fall of X. Okay. You think we'd get that in autumn? Wait, wait. Oh. Eh? I don't know. Cuz Fall of X. Oh my god, why did that take me so long? <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, actually disappointed in myself. <laughs> So am I, but oh well. <laughs> All we got for that is the X-Men hoped Krakoa would last forever. Time to find out if they were right. Narrator, they were not right. I hope they were. Mm. Or at least, I hope it doesn't end with the whole thing getting torn down, because that was a really interesting status quo. Mm. But then we did already just lose Magneto, so that might be indicative of another shift happening. <laughs> yeah, Magneto's dead. What? Dead, dead. How? How the uh, fuck do you kill something, Magneto? Something didn't have his backups anymore because he was helping to rule the Arakoan mutant citizens on Mars, and they don't believe in that, so I think he and Storm got rid of their psychic backups. And then the Eternals started attacking as part of the Judgment Day event, and Magneto got his heart imploded or something? Oh, okay. Sure, that's... Of all the characters I could peg for, like, dying permanently, well, air quotes permanently, because this is comics we're talking about. Yeah, he'll be back in five years. Yeah, Magneto is definitely not one of them. Remember when they made a big stink about Wolverine dying? Yeah, and they brought him back, like, what, a couple years later? I think he was gone for a while. Mm. But I don't remember exactly how long. But let's face it, for an A-lister like Wolverine, a couple years being dead is a pretty significant time. Eh, fair. So yeah, those are the events they announced. Some I'm interested in, some I am not, some I'm just like, good, this means whatever's going on is ending. <laughs> Hopefully Dark Web sheds some light on why everybody hates Peter again. Oh, I didn't know everyone hated Peter again. Or, I don't know if everybody hates him again, but they're building up some big dumb mystery where he and MJ can't be together again for some stupid reason. Oh, goodness gracious. Right?! You don't even read comics and you know how tiring that bullshit is. Yeah, I mean, it especially lost me during the whole bit of, I don't remember if it was MJ or, why am I blanking on the other one's name? Gwen? Gwen. But the whole thing of, like, Peter, like, selling his soul in his marriage. Oh, that was MJ. Oh, that was MJ. Yeah, I was like, okay, it can't possibly get any worse or what have you than that, right? And it's like, oh, come the fuck on. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna keep that will they or won't they train rolling. Yeah, I don't read the comics, but it's just one of those things where it's like, can we, like, pick something else? If for no other reason that not even MJ deserves to be that miserable. <laughs> nah. 
Trailer time? Uh, trailer time. Where do you want to start? Violent Night. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, can I just say, I was very pleasantly surprised by this movie, because I... I saw the poster, and I saw the title, and I thought, oh, good, it's another maniac killer Santa movie, but I guess David Harbour is Santa, so that ought to be entertaining. Not what I got at all. No, I actually really want to see this because of how absolutely batshit this trailer. This is, we regularly talk about on this show about the death of the um, original idea. I gotta give props to this one. <laughs> it is Santa one those... versus a bunch of armed violent criminals is not something I think I've ever heard before. Yeah, like Santa versus mercenaries. It's like, I, I want to have whatever the hell they um who who whoever was smoking this or whatever they were smoking when this came out or when this was written i don't know how i feel about santa apparently being the impromptu magical bodyguard for a bunch of upper class rich people but oh considering the premise i don't care about that i am just here to watch santa like murder the shit and street justice a bunch of criminals <laughs> i guess you really did need them to be rich to justify why this guy is throwing so many people at their house yeah no, this is so stupid, but I am very much looking that forward to That one guy who tries punching into the or stabbing into the bag and he pulls out a present. Yeah, no, that that was kind of the thing where I'm like, this is so fucking stupid, and I want to see this so badly. <laughs> Prancer. Unprofessional yeah. is what this is. And he even laughs. Even gave him a little laugh, too. It's just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'd like to point out John Leguizamo is the main bad guy. He is. I was yeah. like, and it was like, oh, it's you. It's the mechanic from, um, I know he's been a bunch of other things, but every time I see him, my first it's John Wick is John Wick. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's you and you're the bad guy. Okay. <laughs> Agreed. Like, it's like, there's no such thing as Santa. It's like, uh, uh, bad news chief. <laughs> my favorite part of the whole bit was what happens to people on your naughty list? They get a lump of coal, puts grenade in the guy's back, starts walking away. I, I gotta to look. look. It's like, I gotta look, man. It's like, holy shit, this movie has no chill. <laughs> I like this world-weary, hard-drinking, does-not-care-if-you-live-or-die as long as you're a right bastard Santa. Yeah, it's like... It's like, this movie has no chill. None whatsoever. Yes, and, and yes, that was a bad pun as well. <laughs> oh, now it's my turn to take too long to get it. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Yeah, I really want to see this. This looks awesome. <laughs> well, we only have to wait until December 2nd, so that's less than two months away. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, that's also the launch date of the new Need for Speed game, too. Fuck. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Yeah, just a little bit. Shall we move on to Till, which got a new trailer? Yes, it did. This movie makes me sad. Which I understand is the point. This movie makes me excited, for all the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah. I mean, more than anything, just being history nerd, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned being black on this show before. I think I, when we first saw trailers for this, my reaction was, I genuinely cannot believe that they're making a movie about the Emmett Till story. And this trailer just reinforces that 100%. This is a movie where I am both very happy and very scared and very excited all at the same time. This is definitely going to be one of those movies where I'm very curious to see what the reception of it is. I am 100% seeing this. Unless there's something else, like, just, I absolutely have to see. 
whatever weekend this comes out, this is probably going to be the movie I see no matter what. Yeah, I think we've been over the... Oh, that's next? No, that's this weekend. Is it now? Is it this weekend? It says October 14, 2022. Yeah. Huh. All right, well, I guess I know what I'm seeing this weekend. Yeah, let me just double check this real quick. Cause I, th- I think the thing was, this might have been one of those things where it's getting a limited release, and then it's getting a wider release. Ah. Just checking Regal real quick. Yeah, I don't think this is a next weekend. It might be the weekend okay. after. Okay. I mean, regardless, I am... Yeah, I think we had this discussion before where it's probably going to be, you're going to go see Till, I'm going to go see something else, maybe I will see Till if I have time <laughs> afterward. Right. <laughs> Anything, like, historical already hits a certain chord with me, and this movie hits all... This movie doesn't just hit the chords, it hits all the, the entire instrument for me. It's so, the whole damn cello. It's the whole damn cello. So I'm looking forward to it. If the big no viola. Just, yeah, if for no other reason to see how they tackle this in movie form, because who boy is the, is the story of Emmett Till a tough subject. I can tell from the trailer. Yeah, it's it the, the story of Emmett is not fun. Like it's 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 something that needs to be taught in anything regarding the history of America or the civil rights movement, but it is not an easy topic to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you there. Mm. We also got a trailer for Causeway. I have no idea really what's going on here. Uh, just a synopsis from May 24's website. Causeway is an intimate portrait of a soldier struggling to adjust to her life after returning home to New Orleans. Hmm. So that's what that is. Okay. Okay, you know what? That makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, the trailer doesn't necessarily do the best job telling you what it's about if you don't already know what it's about. Okay. I did know, so I was watching it going, okay, yeah, this is interesting, and... While I'm not the biggest fan of Jennifer Lawrence, I am a big fan of Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah He's same. great. Uh, he's pretty great. Otherwise, it looks fine. Yeah, it looks decent, so... Yeah, it's an A24 movie, so that means probably that good. Makes a, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> it also means d- kind of a coin flip on whether I get a chance to see it or not. Yeah, no, I, I don't know why... Oh, that's right, because this is an Apple movie. Alright, I don't care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it's also releasing limitedly in select theaters. I don't know if that's going to include anything near us, but that is why I kept it on the list. Fair. Aside from Uh, the fact that I really wanted at least four. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, it was just kind of a thing. How did I not catch A24 or anything like that? I was like, wait, that's right, this is an Apple movie. Yeah, I kind of checked out. It said A24 before Apple Films, I think. I don't think it did for the trailer I saw. But, huh. But I do see that it's an A24 movie, so... Obviously interested in it from that logo alone, but still. Yeah. I feel that. And bringing it all the way back to video games, we got a Super Mario Brothers movie trailer. This is really dark. <laughs> I don't even know like, if dark's the right word, but it goes harder than it has any right to. Yeah, like, during the whole bit where... Bowser is just burning down the castle to get to the star. I'm just like, holy shit, what the fuck is this? This is like... <laughs> Jack Black is a great Bowser. He was already the thing I was least worried about with this cast, but half the time I 
can't even really tell it's him. I have to really focus in. Yeah, I, I really had to, like, think about it and, like, think about his voice. No, he's great as Bowser. The only point where I could really tell it was him was his last line of, now who's gonna stop me? He shouted yeah. that like a Jack Black line, but... Yeah, he did. But no, he was by far and away just the most interesting part. The, and the whole bit with the penguins and all. <laughs> that was but a fraction of our power. Do you yeah. yield? It's like, I do not. And it's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> that was, it's uh, like, and I'm probably gonna butcher the name. That was Carrie Payton, who is Cyborg's voice actor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Alright. Did not recognize it first. No. Really, just about everybody does great in this, except uh, I'm I'm not a I'm not a big Chris Pratt as Mario fan. Someone on Reddit put it the best, where they said it's like at ages ago Chris Pratt was going to give us a voice that we've never heard before for the voice of Mario, and the voice for Mario is Chris Pratt. Yeah, I mean it sounds like he's maybe trying to do something a little bit with it, other than just his voice, but it's hard to tell because we don't get a lot of lines, and I think the editing's not great. The last line we get of Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. It just sounds like it's not edited well. No. And trust I me, I know it... a thing or two about bad audio editing at this point. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I hope it's just that. But it really was a thing of that bit where he's like yelling, here we come, was the only bit where I heard him trying to be Mario. And even still, that just sounded like his voice with a little bit of like, I guess, Italian inflection in it. Yeah, it's either he sounds like Chris Pratt or he sounds bad, just based on the little bit we've got. And neither of those things are good for him being Mario. No. However, me and my boss, we both watched the trailer, and given that Mario kind of like gets teleported in and just looks around and goes, where am I? We're thinking that that Mario got isekai into the universe. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I think that was the original explanation for what Mario was doing in the Mushroom Kingdom anyway. Mm. He's supposed to be a plumber from Brooklyn. <laughs> I, I somehow, I don't, I mean, I never knew that. Really, that was their whole backstory in the Super Mario Brothers original live-action movie. I never saw that. Well, we're gonna have to fix that! <laughs> oh, no! Are you kidding me? That's what we're doing before <laughs> that movie comes out. It's gonna be, I'll put it on the list. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna uh, make it a special presentation. <laughs> Gonna be the Scarlet Troll special presentation. Just scratch yeah. out the Marvel Studios bit and put that there. Or, or more accurately, I don't think I've seen that movie in full. Now that I think about it, I've seen a. I think I've seen a couple clips of it. But We're still gonna have it, to like... fix that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I am kind of looking forward to this movie, but I'd be lying if I said that the Chris Pratt Mario thing is not potentially a deal breaker. I still want to see it, but at this point, I'm not expecting, like, great things. It's, the feeling I got after the trailer was kind of, like, the feeling that I got to a certain degree, but not to to a significant of degree when I was watching episode 9 in theaters of Star Wars. Oh, dear. Yeah, and the whole thing of, like, alright, how's this gonna go? How are they gonna explain this massive plot point? Just in the opening crawl, Palpatine has returned. It's oh, like, there it goes. Alright, there it goes. No expectations Zero whatsoever. <laughs> Yep, and it's not quite to that level, because that's just a, a level of, like, bad that hasn't quite been, like, achieved, like, since, for me at least. But it is kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, if that's what we're going to get, I think I'd, I'm going to have a little bit of an easier time with this movie. All right. Um, 
I don't know. I still want to see it. Like, out of morbid curiosity, if nothing else. <laughs> Morbius curiosity? No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. That meme needs to stay dead. Like Morbius's box office run? Uh, second box office run. Ha <laughs> I'm glad we're friends. I'm glad we're friends. Hey, speaking of box office... Is it time? It is time for this weekend's box office. Ah, oh, I love these segues. They're so good. <laughs> well done, me. Thank you. I'm very proud of it. You should be. Mm. Anyways, enough building up my own self-esteem. <laughs> time to answer the age-old question that we started a few weeks ago. Did we see the number one movie at the domestic box office? And the answer is, I did last week. <laughs> uh, <that's> <laughs> because it still smiles. Oh boy. At 18.4 million domestically this weekend, it is at a 50.7 million domestic total for 92.3 million dollars worldwide. Second place, mm-hmm. Lyle Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> at 11.4 million domestically for that same total. I don't have any international information for it yet. Mm. Third place, Amsterdam at 6.4 million domestically for a 9.7 million worldwide total. That's not great. No, it's not. Fourth place, The Woman King, with $5.1 million domestic for a $54 million domestic total and $64 million worldwide. And in fifth place, Don't Worry Darling, with a $3.5 million domestic weekend for $38.4 million total domestically and $69.3 million worldwide. Hmm. So that's okay. a slow weekend. It's especially slow weekend for Amsterdam, considering... And I and I just now look, looked this up. The movie has, like, an $80 million budget. Ooh, Smile only had $17 million. Uh, yeah, that's that's not that's not a good outlook for this movie. No. I mean, I get it, but that's still not a good look. Hmm. <laughs> Shall we talk about Amsterdam first, or should I do a quick-ish review for Werewolf by Night? Quickish review of Werewolf by Night. All right, I love this so much. <laughs> I'm very happy to hear that. I love again, Werewolf no by Night of... so much. I'm happy to hear that because, again, zero frame of reference. <laughs> well, if you want a better frame of reference for Werewolf by Night, make sure to check out the latest episode of Poorly Explained Comics, Marvel's Monster Mash, now on YouTube. Yeah, but no, I was very much looking forward to what you said about it because that was going to dictate if I actually sit down and watch it. I mean, it's only 55 minutes, and that's including credits, so it's definitely worth a watch anyways. But Really? Yeah. No, it's a special. Yeah. It's not even a movie. Oh, okay. But the whole thing is very... retro-styled, but with some modern sensibilities that really make it a lot better. The whole thing's filmed in black and white, and in some frames and some shots in particular, it really feels like one of the older horror movies of that particular ilk. But then you get characters flipping around doing actual awesome fight scenes and are not on wires, so that helps. Because hmm. it's like, okay, it's emulating them, but it's not a dead ringer reconstruction. Hmm. Okay. I will say, if I've got any real issue with it, it's that, and I don't think this is necessarily a spoiler, it's weird they called it Werewolf by Night, because you could have easily called it a couple of other things that I think might have been a little more accurate. Hmm. But otherwise, very well cast. Gail Garcia Bernal is a brilliant Jack Russell. He's got a very Hulk sensibility about him, where he himself is an easygoing 
sort of mild-mannered guy, but you also really don't want to mess with him. It's just mm-hmm. werewolf instead of Hulk. <laughs> Laura Donnelly's a good Elsa Bloodstone, although I don't know what it is, but a lot of the time I kept thinking, huh, British Jessica Jones. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think it might just be because the special's in black and white so much, and Jessica Jones' palette isn't exactly the brightest anyway, and there's some... Mm. It's dumb. It's a dumb thought, but I couldn't get it out of my head. Is this within the MCU as well? Oh, yeah. It's canon. Huh. Okay. There's a really good bromance that I'm not going to spoil who it's between. (laughs) Alright. And the werewolf itself is actually really crazy to look at because it's evocative more of the old-style Wolfman Lon Chaney style where it's a guy with hair on him where it's still more man-shaped than CGI wolf. It's all practical, from what I can tell. Okay. Yeah, so that's neat. It's a little off-putting at first, and I think it could stand to be a little more wolfy. Mm -hmm. But there you run into the thing of, A, it's evocative of that style, and B, if you get Gael Garcia Bernal to play your werewolf, you don't want to just bury him under a bunch of CGI so he's unrecognizable as the werewolf. So I get that. Cool with it. Mm -hmm. Fine with it. Maybe if he shows up in a later thing, they can make it a little more wolfish, which is the adjective Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be going for instead of wolfy. Mm -hmm. Also, this special is vicious. So it does actually hold up from like what was shown in the trailer. Yeah, people get their limbs sliced off. One guy, I'm not going to say in what context, but one person gets Mike Tyson. Okay, you know what? I'm actually kind of happy to hear that because it was during, like, when we first saw the trailer, there were definitely, look at how, like, ridiculously violent this is. Like, no, it's still a Marvel thing. They're going to tone it down at least a little bit. Oh, no, because the black and white apparently let them get away with amping up the violence. I feel like I should have a major problem with that. No, it's like, (laughs) if you ever want to get away with bigger violence in any kind of monster movie, make the monster blood something other than red. It reminds me of all the stories of how, like, early Nintendo games, if, like, someone was, like, killed or shot, they would bleed, like, green or some other color. Yeah. It's one of those those things where it's, like, I get what's going on here, but the cynical slash smart-ass portion of my brain just goes, ah, murderous bet, oh, his his blood's green? Ah, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) If you prick us, do we not bleed? (laughs) Oh, you bleed Kool-Aid. Ha (laughs) ha! Wait, Kool-Aid's also red. Eh, not all of them. You fool! You've doomed <laughs> us all! I mean, I was always partial to that. No, I'm not going to finish that sentence, because that's very stereotypical. Uh... <laughs> oh, dear. No, I am like actually kind of happy about that, because that was one of those things where I was... I, I, I don't go out of my way for like ultra-violent stuff. I, I distinctly remember getting pissed off at the most recent Hellboy movie because of that. That was but... a little something. Yeah, no, I, there was actually a point where, there was a point in the movie where, like, we're just seeing an overhead shot of, like, a city, and then a demon just, like, brings a woman up front and center and just rips her in half, and I actually said, shut the fuck up, movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, that Uh, movie had a bunch of other problems, but they also kind of overdid it a little bit. Yeah, but I'm definitely more curious about this with that knowledge. Yeah, no, absolutely. Who who knows? Maybe depending on how much time we have next movie night, we Mm. can watch it beforehand. Because, ah, I I will watch this frequently, and I very strongly (laughs) recommend checking it out. 
Okay. And either before or after watching the Marvel Monster Mash episode of Poorly Explained Comics. <laughs> Last one, I swear. <laughs> so Amsterdam. So Amsterdam. Do you want to give the explanation of it, or shall I? Uh, yeah, alright. Three friends get embroiled in a murder mystery. Yeah, and that's it. Uh... <laughs> the end. Thanks so, for coming, everybody. So, for a little bit of ex- additional context to it... Well, no, I can't really give additional context, because it also po- spoils the second it's half. It's really hard to give additional context to what happens without spoiling everything. Yeah, which is very frustrating, considering... Oh, fucking A, I kind of hate this. <laughs> Two friends get framed for a murder, and a third friend from the past gets involved. Hmm. So... And it goes deeper than any of them ever knew. Yeah. So, for me, I... I recognize this movie isn't good, but I did still enjoy it. I don't know, this is kind of a weird one. I mean, granted, I am as I've mentioned many times already, big into, like, anything historically based, there is a very significant historical lean in this movie that got my attention very quickly. So I have a feeling that I have a little bit of personal bias going on in that regard. The main thing, attraction about the movie is that it has a absolutely ridiculous ensemble cast. We've got Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, J.D. Washington, Chris Rock, Anna Taylor-Joy, Taylor Swift. Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana, Rami Malek, it's a good time. Michael Shannon and Mike Myers. Did you the, the <laughs> MI6 guy is Mike Myers? Yeah, that kind of, that very much caught me off guard. <laughs> oh, and Robert De Niro. How, how how could we not? Yeah, no. Yeah, there's a good time going on with the cast, and honestly, the cast is. It sounds really stupid to say out loud, considering like it's kind of the whole point of movies to a certain degree. But the cast really is the best part of the movie. Because it's just really fun to watch everyone's interactions and play off of each other. But it's this movie's weird. Like, the plot jumps quite a lot. And there were definitely several moments where I'm like, wait, when did, how did we get here? You really feel the length at times. There are definitely times where you feel the length. Giggity. We kind of talk. Shut up. We we talked about it a little bit outside of the podcast, but I but one of the things that we I feel like we both agreed on, but for slightly different reasons, was that there are definitely moments where the movie feels the need to explain and re-explain what's going on in an in an unnecessarily long manner. Yeah, there's quite a few subplots that don't need to be there, mm-hmm. or at least could afford to be very heavily trimmed down if not excised entirely. Right, right. A certain thing that I noticed in the movie as it was going was just there were several times where certain plot points or like certain catalysts to plot points rather were explained a couple more times after it had started. And it's like, we know we're here. We're not stupid. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a few points where it feels like something that should be easy to clear up is just not. So that way you can keep your wheels spinning and keep the movie going a bit longer and add in some extra stuff. It's one of those, in a better movie, you wouldn't notice that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Because it would be engaging enough that you don't see the stitching, essentially. But in this one, you can kind of see the cracks and you can see where they're filling them in here and there. And it's 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 a little disappointing that it's not 
engaging enough that you don't see it, essentially. I have to make sure. Are you making accidental puns right now? No, was I... Did I make a pun? Well, considering we're talking about, like, cracks and whatnot, and considering some of the subject matter of the movie... I guess. (laughs) This is another one of those movies where... And this is such... This is a stupid thing, but this is just something that always happens to me. Is that this is another one of those movies where I don't realize that Margot Robbie is one of the main people until, like, we get to the end. It's like, by the way, Margot Robbie's in it. Really? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like... What other movie did you get hit with that? Pretty much all the things that she's been in. She's a phenomenal actress. I I love watching her. But it really is just this thing, I don't know why, but every time she's in something, it's like, oh shit! Because I've seen her in interviews, and I've seen her in, like, videos, like, talking to people, so it's like, she's a clearly very recognizable person, but, like, in this, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, although it's not quite as bad there, and, um... In, oh, I swear to God, if you say Suicide Squad, I swear to fucking God. No, not Suicide Squad. Okay, but uh, but but Birds of Prey, um, or at least when she was first introduced as Harley Quinn, there are just so many times where it's like, I know you're Margot Robbie, but for whatever reason, you don't look like it in both how you look and definitely how you act. I would say that's a compliment more than anything else because it does show just how fantastic her range is. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely a feather in the cap that multiple times you have not been able to figure out that it was more... You know what? Say, I guess that's me and Storm Reed. Mm-hmm. Because she has been in so many things that I have seen, and it took me forever to connect the dots and realize that was all the same person. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I remember the one that made me laugh when you told me about it was the post credit scene in Doctor Strange 2 where I forget who it is she's playing, but you're like, oh yeah, that's Margot Robbie. It's like, what? <laughs> How did no, I that miss was Char- that? That was Charlize Theron. Oh, that was Charlize Theron. What the f- <laughs> Well, I'm just stupid. Anyway. <laughs> in any case. In any case, I like this movie, but I don't think it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a little too repetitive. It's a little too self-important. It does that thing where it tries to spin it as more factual than it actually is right at the start, and that does not sit well with me. I'm not a huge fan of based-on-a-true-story things where it's upfront in general, and when you start the movie with a lot of this really happened, my brain just pretty much goes, okay, a good chunk of this is bullshit. I think what was going on in that regard, especially as certain things played off in the movie, because there were definitely a lot of like aspects of it that I picked up on, there are definitely little bits and pieces that are like, okay, like not related to the movie directly, but this is true, this is true, this did happen. It kind of feels like they were using that as well as everything that happens in the second half of the movie to be like, yeah, a lot of this really happened. And it's like, that's not how that works. Yeah, because the second (laughs) half in particular is rife with things that it seems like they just kind of uh, fibbed about. Mm Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that, I suppose. Do we got anything else that's not spoilery? Um, not for me, personally. I don't think I have anything either. So if you don't want to get spoiled on Amsterdam, make sure to, uh, step away in three, two, one. This movie is a, a retelling of one of the most, like, obscure bits of historical political conspiracy in the U.S., and... 
it's one of those things where I feel like I should be more into it than I ended up being because the story is based heavily on the business plot, which long story short on that is that a U.S. Marine and uh, like alleged that several high ranking members in like America's economic sphere at the time were basically trying to overthrow the government because they were inspired by the Nazis, which one of the things with this movie that I very much picked up on, even though it to a certain degree, like this is based in historical like events is that this is very much a commentary on what's going on right now. Isn't it? Yeah. It's, and I understand wanting to tell that and having it be important, but it's the, a lot of this really happened for me. That makes me, yeah, that makes that particular point, a sticking point for me. It's like, Oh, that just feels like historical revisionism when you do that, because don't get me wrong. 100%. Everybody involved with the business plot was inspired by the fascist movements that were going on in Europe at the time. However, mm-hmm. no actual connection to Nazis, as far as I know, which this movie then alleged, oh yeah, this whole thing was a Nazi-affiliated plot. It's like, no. Yeah. No, this whole shit is bad enough without you attaching the fucking Nazis to it. For fuck's sake. One of the things that kind of bugged me with it in that regard is during like the last little bit of the movie... Because I feel like that was a moment when the people who were making the movie just went, okay, we have to make sure we make the connection clear because our audience is stupid. And that was during the little bit where they're starting the speech in the last bit. And there are literal American Nazis in the theater. And then Robert De Niro's character just goes, all of you gentlemen who are yelling at me in German, you are cowards. I'm like, oh, come on. We're not that stupid. I wouldn't (laughs) hate that part if not for drawing a direct line between the conspiracy and the Nazis. Like, if it happened that those people were there anyway, it would feel a little disconnected, but honestly, I think also a little more realistic. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, there could be two completely different, separate, terrible movements of people. And they don't all have to be linked to one singular evil. Yeah, it's one of those things where I I have to... I will fully acknowledge I have to do more reading on the business plot and also on Marine Corps Major General Smedley Butler. Because for me, like, I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't really aware of this until I saw this movie, especially during the last bit where they show Robert De Niro and the general side by side giving their testimony to Congress. I was like, oh, this really happened. That's kind of cool. And then I realized, wait, this is the only bit of things that's actually like 100% fully based in historical events, isn't it? And that's kind of where the whole, like, a lot of this really happened fell apart for me. Yeah. Let's see, what else was there? Especially near the end, the movie got really flowery and really, I don't know the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. It's where the film's self-importance comes to its absolute zenith, right. I suppose. Mm. And going, ah, yeah. Some of the and some of the characters are borderline precognizant with all the winking they're doing it. Ha ha, World War Two. Ha ha, World War Two. Yeah, and <laughs> I hate to say it, but during the bit where they confront the um, the what are they called? Like this, the Congress of Five or something like that. Committee of the Five. The Committee of the Five, where they like bust them at the very end, and um, Robert Niro just goes, "We've like soiled your little prod for at least a few more decades." It's like, ah, oh, that's cute. <laughs> Not since The King's Man have I seen a movie sequel bait so hard for World War Two. Yeah, no. Which, I don't know. It's, God. I will say, kind of sticking with the historical side, 
the bits that covered the First World War, I was all for, even though it was definitely very unpleasant, especially having Chris Rock and J.D. Washington being members of the 369th Regiment, which made me very happy, which for those who don't know, the 369th was a detachment of the um, New York National. They were nicknamed the Harlem Hellfighters. They were an all-black regiment in World War I, and they were the only American regiment in the entire war to not lose a single inch of land. Nice. Yeah, like, they're very, very noteworthy. One of the guys in that regiment has one of the most absolutely insane Medal of Honor citations I've ever read. Oh, boy. Basically, if I remember it correctly, this guy got the Medal of Honor because he was basically, like, the one guy standing between his buddies and the oncoming Germans. And during a night when he had no ammo, nothing on him except his knife, he went into, the to like, the German lines and killed 30 German soldiers with his knife. Wow. Oh, is that the guy Dylan Beck was referencing, who he thought John David mm-hmm. Washington's character was? Yep. Oh, neat. Yep. Very cool. Yep, no. No, like, it, it was a thing where the Germans, like, genuinely feared this unit. And the whole bit of them having French uniforms is also correct. And very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a for, that. for anybody who's not historically up on it, there was a bit where that regiment had to wear French uniforms because nobody wanted them wearing American uniforms. Oh, it's, it's worse than that. What happened is that, and I could go on about this because it's one of my favorite subjects, when the Black Division showed up, to the front lines in world war one the u.s army literally gave us away we we were literally like given on loan to the french military because they didn't want black soldiers like in um as part of the u.s army because the army was still segregated at that point jesus literally to the point where when black soldiers were loaned to the french military they also gave them and i am not making this up we gave the French military pamphlets on how to handle black soldiers. What the fuck? Yeah, to which the French immediately saw that, threw it away, and said, fuck this shit, we need people with guns. We don't care where you come from. As long as you shoot Germans, you are our friends. (laughs) Alright, I like it. Yeah, no, like, the, the French were basically at a point where it's like, we need anybody we can get. And the and the black soldiers are like, we'll take, we'll be anywhere that we don't get shit on for the color of our skin. But no, the whole thing of them like, having French uniforms is historically based. So, that part made me very happy. Those bits made me very happy, because that did satisfy the nerd part of my brain. Kind of going back to, like, one point I made earlier, this movie does feel like it jumps around a lot. The two portions that it got me were the bit was when we're first introduced to Margot Robbie and how she switches from a French nurse helping like wounded soldiers to just being like, oh, do you want something to drink? In a very American accent. It's like, you speak English? And I and I was just sitting there like, wait, I'm sorry. Did I miss something just now? Where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> that <laughs> like whole that... part where everybody's rallying behind her in French is great. That part is great. Everything about that was great, but the transition is like just was very jarring. Mm. But even though it was a wonderful scene, although that kind of introduces the first little bit of the movie being repetitive when it gets to the whole thing of them asking God knows how many times, what are you doing with the with the metal, metal you from, took our, from bodies? our bodies? Yeah. Yeah. That, that one line collecting. comes up so many times in a yeah. very short span. And it's one of those things that once you become aware that it's happening, it's immensely irritating. 
Yeah, it, just the whole bit of I can only tell you if I trade you, or what do we have to trade? Something equally beautiful. And then they and have, then, then they have that whole exchange again because Christian Bale's character comes in. <laughs> My God. Yeah, that was, and that's the start of it. But it's every other instance of it is not fun. It's a little. You know what? Waiting. There was one instance that I liked. Mm-hmm. And it's Margot Robbie's character saying, but the dream repeats itself, because it forgets itself, so it repeats itself. That the, that was one where I was like, that is a very true statement. <laughs> that one hit me. That one felt way better than most other uses of repetition in this movie. Yeah, that, that one hit me as well. And so. I think it's because it's used relatively sparingly. I think maybe it came up a little bit later when they meet back up with her and she said something like, I told you that was a good part of the dream or something. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it wasn't as incessant. Yeah, no. And then the second bit was when they're kind of, for me, it's like the movie kind of switching gears without le- letting me fasten my seatbelt, proverbially speaking, was when they kind of like discuss what they've seen and whatnot. And it just goes to we have to stop these guys before they overthrow our government. And I'm like, wait, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah, it kind where... of went from there's a murder going on to Coop really quickly. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, we got, it's like we've been framed for murder to we've got to stop a coup d'etat in zero time flat. I'm like, I I actually like had to sit there and like replay that little bit as it kept on going because it's like, did I miss some kind of context or something? But no, that just kind of... It felt like it came out of nowhere. And it was all foreshadowed, too. Mm-hmm. That's the weirdest part. It still feels like it came right the fuck out of nowhere. Yeah. But then halfway through the movie, you realize, oh, it's Nazis. Yeah, the movie's very on the nose about it. And by very on the nose, I mean we see Rami Malek's um, front lawn have the swastika cut into it. And again, that's one of those <laughs> things where that would be fine if you weren't alleging that a lot of this happened. Which makes it all yeah. the more glaring when things didn't. Yeah, it's one of those things for me where... Because, like, make no mistake, at this time Fuck in America, Nazis. Well, fuck Nazis first and foremost, and that should be just a permanent rule from here on out. Yeah. But... It's one of those things where it's like, at this time in America, there was a actually pretty substantial American Nazi party, but not quite to the point that this movie tries to make up. It kind of bugged me, especially when they say it was like we were like highly inspired by like everything like Hitler and Mussolini are doing, which if they're trying to draw parallels to that, it's worth noting as well that Hitler wanted absolutely nothing to do with the American Nazi party. He basically thought they were a bunch of amateurs, which I personally find hilarious. Kind of going back to Rami Malek's lawn, this was actually kind of a thing where I got disappointed by the climax of the movie, because it's like, hey, Rami Malek's in here, and he's not a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, it had me fooled for a bit, too. <laughs> and, then, and then the end of the movie comes where we find out that he's one of the conspirators. It's like, ah, shit. <laughs> it actually had me fooled right up until the reunion gala, where they started being suspicious. Yeah, and it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised Anya Taylor-Joy apparently was not faking her adoration for Robert De Niro's character. <laughs> that's That was that funny. Is, that's very funny. It was also a little weird and creepy, but... Yeah, it was very creepy, but it was very funny. Now, also honestly, funny. when you mentioned it, I did kind of replay her bits. It's like, you know what? Yeah, I think she was definitely one of the better... Everyone in this cast does a good job of what they have to work with. But Anya Taylor-Joy was very fun to watch. In a, 
I very much hope somebody punches you in the face kind of way. Yeah, it's kind of a reverse Amanda Waller for me. Because I remember like when we first saw the first Suicide Squad, I, I remember leaning over to you. It's like, I hate this woman. She needs to die. And you're like, yeah, that's her character. <laughs> that it's is literally... what Amanda Waller does. Yeah, and it's like, it's kind of that, but not quite as aggressive and not completely based in evil. <laughs> okay, <laughs> did the movie, you know what, speaking of wanting to see somebody get punched in the face, but to a more extreme extent, uh, did the movie mm-hmm. fool you into thinking that Margot Robbie actually shot them? Yes, it did. Because it got me. <laughs> I'll and give I, it that. Like, it fucking got me. I thought she yeah. shot Rami Malek and Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, and it's a thing of like, you've ruined all this investigation. It's like, they're still standing and breathing. What the fuck are you talking about? And then it turns out it was a dream sequence. Like, oh, okay. I did very much enjoy when they're just like, Valerie, what's going on? I was like, oh, I'm just imagining shooting my brother in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I think I started cluing in a little bit when... Anya Taylor-Joy's character is complaining about, look what she did to my face, and I'm thinking, you should be dead. Yeah, you should 100% be dead. Or at dead. the very least, you should be, like, on the floor writhing in pain, I think. Yeah. And then it snaps back, it's like, oh, okay, neat. <laughs> is it? I will say, when that happened, I thought to myself, I was like, okay, are we sure that all of your hallucinations were, talk- were done by this medicine? Yeah. <laughs> Probably still working it out of her system. Uh, probably. The main example of what I think is a subplot that didn't need to be in here. Mm-hmm. Bert and Irma. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. On the one yeah. hand, Bert's marital problems are an important subplot in defining his choices at the end. But I also feel like you didn't need to introduce another woman for it to happen. Yeah, no. That wasn't needed. And actually, I kind of have a bit of an other side problem with that because it's one of those things where it's like okay if you're gonna introduce her you need to do more with her because i pre like after the bit where they're in the office and they kiss each other as far as i remember we don't see her again until the end of the movie yeah that romance is only there so it's like don't worry bert has a back has another option after he and beatrice break things off and it's like you could have just you could have just not yeah no it could have been just enough to know that he's free of somebody who doesn't actually love him. Yeah. No, that was kind of a... Because that subplot was good. I like that a lot. Yeah, that subplot was, was fun, and it definitely made... In a heartbreaking way. In a very heartbreaking way, but it definitely made her, um, Christian Bale's character, like, much more human. I will admit, seeing Taylor Swift get fucking murdered, like, caught me off guard very quickly. <laughs> I did not expect that. I did not expect that at all. <laughs> that was very much a case of, uh, oh, okay, I guess Taylor Swift is not a main character. Yeah, it is, and just the way they show her getting murdered is like, no chill, all I right. suppose that's the upside of having an all-star cast like this. It's hard to go, okay, you're probably going to live because you're, you're a big-name actor. Yeah, I know. Let's see, what else was there? I know that, n- nerding out about his history stuff aside, I know that there was more that I wanted to talk about, like, with this. The reunion itself was an impressive affair. The reunion was cool. Yeah, that was very neat. And it's really nice to see how much they all mean to each other. Yeah, uh, you know what? That is actually kind of the best part of the movie for me, is that the three of them really do just have the cutest friendship. Oh, I meant the whole them and all their friends. Oh, yeah, that too. (laughs) But yeah, those three in particular, it's really sweet. The camaraderie is on point. 
Yeah, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and, and Washington all have great chemistry with each other. It just, it pays off in droves for the whole thing. Because it really is just like, they do a great job of showing these aren't just like three people that have been brought together by circumstance. These are truly like three friends who love each other and want to do everything they can to help each other. For whatever reason. I don't feel like in a lot of movies, the sweetness and niceness of such relationships are really like, gone into because it's usually just like more or less implied and it's it's hard to yeah it's it's one of those things where that kind of loyalty and that kind of friendship is genuinely difficult to sell a lot of the times you kind of just have to run off of the characters say they're good friends so they're good friends Mm -hmm. but you feel it in this and you feel it not just in the fact that they enjoy each other's company but you feel it in the frustration when one of them like when Christian Bale feels like John David Washington isn't helping out because he's off with Margot. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things if you can feel that frustration of, come on, we're supposed to have this back, come on. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely a moment where I was like, I understand that feeling completely, and I know I've been the cause of that feeling for other people, so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely um, an upside, but on the whole, yeah, the movie is just too long and it doesn't have enough to say, so it just keeps saying the same things. Yeah. That and I, I do I think this is another one of things where we agree, but for different reasons. The whole bit at the front though of it saying a lot of this actually happened, that could have just been eliminated. One hundred percent. And keep everything else, because it's even the bits that actually did happen, but if that was taken out, even though it's such a small change, I think that would have helped a lot in the overall enjoyment of the film. I agree. So I'd say go see it if you've got two hours to kill and or are a really big Christian Bale, Robert De Niro, John David Washington, Margot Robbie fan? Chris Rock. Chris Rock. <laughs> Chris Rock, I don't think, is in the movie enough to really say go see it for no. Chris Rock. No, he's not, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, how are they going to use Chris Rock? And it's like, and he's there to make the jokes that I expect of Chris Rock. Okay. <laughs> but the teensiest bit more old-timey. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think I'd ever really watch this one again. I don't know. Uh, I don't think I would watch this again in theaters. This would very much be one where I would have it on my shelf, and it would be kind of like an every now and again type of movie. I can see that. Yeah, but, you know, it's definitely not, it wouldn't be, like, the highlight of a collection, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely not. But it's also, like, not bad. I don't know, the movie has 38% Rotten Tomatoes critic rating, and it's like, okay, this movie isn't good, but I wouldn't say it's that bad. I can see it, because that doesn't mean it's, that doesn't mean it's a 38% good movie. That means 38% of critics liked it, and I can, I can see that, mm. because... Even though we both had a decent time with it, we're both under the agreement that it's not a good movie. Yeah. So I can see it getting a 38% Rotten Tomatoes just based off that, because, yeah, it's 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 enjoyable, but it takes itself a little too seriously to excuse the fact that it's not good. Right. Yeah, that's fair. So I think we're good to wrap up? I'd say so. All right. Cool. In that case, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Spotify, 
RSS, and hey, now we're on Facebook at Under the Bridge, and I'll also include a link in the description. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I don't know if there's a punchline. I have nothing else. <laughs> well, that's the perfect punchline right there. So this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And see you next week. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.